We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, we have a lot to get into tonight, especially with this being our last episode until Broncos Vikings. But first thing I wanted to get your take on is you wrote this article earlier today. Guys, go read it after the show at milehighhuddle.com. Broncos linked, anyway, to Daniel Hunter in the 2024 uh, free agent rumor mill. What What do you know about that? I mean, it's uh, I'm not surprised people have been accusing me on Twitter of putting this out. Like, I'm reporting it. No, I did not report it. This was from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. He had a free agent piece for 2024 kind of peeking ahead, and he was talking about Daniil Hunter, who's the co-leader in sacks right now in the NFL with 11 free-time Pro Bowler. He was kind of linking Denver to Hunter. He also named the Jaguars as a potential suitor for Hunter services, but he was just, you know, kind of speculating based on the fact that the Broncos always seem or never afraid to bolster their defensive line. They're never afraid to spend big look at the contract they gave Zach Allen, which could be the reason Chad, if Hunter even makes it to the open market that the Broncos might not pitch him a lucrative offer. Can you really afford to tie up so much investment and capital into one position, but that's the scuttlebutt there. I mean, if Minnesota lets him go, he's going to have no shortage of teams calling him up and beating down his door. Maybe the Broncos led by George Payton, who worked in the mini front office in years past. Maybe they uh, place a call. Yeah, makes sense. I was just going to ask, how old is this cat? Had to be reminded he's 29, just turned. So you figure he's probably got two more years you can relatively bank on of like tail end prime left in the tank. And um, I mean, I like what the Broncos have cooking Zach at the edge, you know, as far as if you can keep Baron Browning on the field, he's an impact player, Jonathan Cooper, steady, solid. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced quite yet that Jonathan Cooper is like the answer uh, long-term in the same sense that, you know, back in the day you had a Von Miller and an answer long-term opposite him and Bradley Chubb. I'm not sure Cooper's an answer that way, but he could end up being that. Either way, he's a very handy-to-have-in-a-pinch veteran rush linebacker at this point. And then Nick Benito, still very much, Zach, uh, in uh, in utero, as it were, relative to the NFL anyway. What is it now? Four games? Four straight games? He started off hot, and then I think it's four straight games. Might be five now, Zach, without a sack. Uh, so they could use a little bit of vet, uh, a veteran you know, chemistry to that unit. It's been a continuing theme of uh, the defense as much as they've improved in recent weeks. And they have, I mean, VJ deserves his credit. The Broncos in four games this year have failed to record a single sack, including last Monday's upset of the Buffalo bills. So again, Hunter would be kind of a luxury move, but he's not a Randy Gregory. He's not a cancer. He wouldn't make the Broncos worse. 
And Baron Browning, of the players that you listed, Chad, Browning is the only one I'm comfortable penciling in as a starter next year. I'm not a Cooper is a great, great backup to have. He's a great player to have on your roster. I don't know, though, if he's a long term solution because he's limited athletically. He's more of a technician. They need someone explosive off the edge. You give Zach Allen and Baron Browning, uh, Daniil Hunter, that's scary for that front seven. By the way, it's been four games. His last sack, Nick Benito, for what it's worth, was week five where he notched two on Zach Wilson versus the Jets. Troy, what's good, brother? Jumping in early on Super Chat. We love it. We appreciate you so much, my friend. He says, hey, guys, have we progressed enough as a defense that Kareem Jackson will not be a liability because we can scheme around his lack of speed? Would love to see Greg Dulcich this week. Pardon me. Have a great show. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Zach, to see how and if really just how Kareem Jackson impacts the newfound kind of chemistry ball of wax thing the Broncos have going on defensively. But I'll tell you this, for some of the concerns we all have now with Kareem and his quote-unquote recklessness, or let's just call it like presence of mind, knowing when to lay the wood, knowing when to maybe be a little more smart about it, it's definitely better than what Delaron Turner Yell brings to the table. P.J. Locke, Two days in a row, Zach, no uh, practice at all. He's a DNP. Can't quite rule him out yet from week 11 because there's one last practice, but it's trending toward him not being available. So I feel much, much, much better that at least going into this game, they have a veteran like Kareem back there. Well, how about Riley Moss? Can we talk about that for a second, Chad? You traded up for the guy, used a fairly high round. Is the question white corner? (laughs) No. No, I mean, the fact that he can't get on the field, I don't think he has a single defensive snap this season. He's played exclusively on special teams, and Delarian turner Yell is not the answer. P.J. Locke is a nice hold-the-fort guy, but I don't think he's a long-term solution. I'd like to see what Riley Moss can do. Uh, speaking to Kareem, it's funny what Sean Payton had to say, as relayed by Kareem Jackson himself to the press. Sean Payton basically called him and said, we're rolling right now. Don't mess this up when you get back on the field. And I I do like that bit of candor uh, from Sean. But the players love KJ. You know how I feel about him. He has his limitations, but he's a good locker room guy. He brings the lumber on defense. And they don't really have that enforcer, if not for KJ. They don't have that TJ Ward, that dog in the secondary, if not for Kareem Jackson. As long as he's smart and like the question positive, they can scheme around his coverage deficiencies, they'll be okay. But yeah, guys, in case you missed it, we didn't specify, but I'm sure you already knew this. Those of you who didn't, Kareem Jackson, back on the roster, officially his suspension is over. Plum Bob, what's going on, big dog? So good to see you. It says, big game on Sunday, and PS2 is the best corner in the NFL. I feel really confident about that topic, PS2 being the best, but let I'm me ask worse. you something. This is This is a question for you, Zach. With how badly this season started for the Broncos, and defensively especially, how bad everybody looked, and that was something indelible that was kind of seared into, I think, NFL, uh, the NFL zeitgeist, so to speak, that week three, guys just quitting and laying down against the, the Dolphins. But still, Sertan has been quietly solid. He's been significantly better the last four games than he was the preceding. But do you think, let's say the Broncos' trajectory kind of continues this way where they're winning a lot more games than they're losing. Do you think PS2 ends up with another season of Pro Bowl accolades, you know, all pro, etc.? He I think he would if only because it's a reputation based system and PS2 already garnered the reputation of being a shutdown cornerback. He already has the honors on his resume. So even if the Broncos have a losing season or the team uh torpedoes, I do think most people, voters, and those in in charge of that would recognize that he deserves uh, to go. But he's been putting receivers in jail regularly, Chad. I mean, Stephon Diggs had one catch for 11 yards in PS2's coverage. He is, without a doubt, the number one cornerback in the NFL. I don't think it's close. They just got to continue winning games because it's been really cool to see how it trickles down to individual love, right? Seeing uh, Justin Simmons win the defensive player of the week in, in week eight, seeing, of course, the rookie Marvin Mims get special teams this past week, and then seeing the national darlings like the uh, the Baldies breakdowns, you know, like just gushing about Quinn Miners and shining spotlight on uh, the spotlight on dude, Zach, who otherwise would be toiling in relative 
you know, anonymity amidst another Broncos sub 500, you know, trending type of season. So this is really cool. Zeus, what's going on, big dog? Love you. Appreciate you. The first face etched on the MHH Mount Rushmore right here. Stu says, heading to the game Sunday night. How's everyone feeling about a Broncos win? Yeah, Zach, how are you feeling? I mean, I still have this positive kind of, you know, feeling in the old gut, but how are you feeling after really being kind of traumatized by this team over the last many years, having the high hopes to open this season, then having them crushed in the and just uh, into the curb, and then they start pulling out of it again. Are you ready to start believing, or do you think this is – what do you see happening this week? Traumatized is the perfect word, and if you guys have read my roundtable predictions, it's come out in my writing because I said I just can't believe yet. I'm not convinced yet. You know, I've t- I've touched the stove enough, and it's gotten my hand burned too many times. But they've made fools of me. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to predict them to win Sunday's game. They're going to lose and look like the Week Three Broncos. But I'm not scared of the Vikings. Like I wasn't scared of the Bills or the Chiefs before them. The way the Broncos are playing right now, they can beat any team in the NFL. And I've kept abreast of what's going on in Minnesota, if only because I have the running back in fantasy. On offense, Josh Jobs is a sensation, but I feel like the more that teams have film on that him and that offense, they'll adjust. And it'll be a good test for what VJ does in this game. They might be out that running back, by the way, Alexander Madison. They have maybe JJ coming back, but they have Jordan Addison. They have TJ Hawkinson. They can do a lot, but I think the Broncos, the way they're playing on defense can contain them. It's the Minnesota defense versus the Broncos offense. That's the matchup of the game to me because that Brian Flores led Minnesota D is the most blitz heavy unit in all of the NFL. And we all know lately how Russell Wilson and the offensive line has responded to pressure, sometimes good, sometimes catastrophically. I want to see how they perform under those circumstances at home on Sunday night. I think it's fair. Zeus, thank you again, big dog. We'll be continuing, obviously, tonight to uh, preview and kind of handicap Sunday night football, Broncos, Vikings. But real quick, guys, before we dive back into the chat, we got to remind you to make Little Caesars which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day when the day comes, when the time comes. Pizza, big part of what we do here at Casa Jensen, especially on game days. But honestly, you know, if you look at an average month, four weeks in a month, probably three of those four weeks, there's that one night in the week where we didn't plan right. We ended up running late. We need to get, get something. We don't have time to cook. Little Caesar steps in. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs. Plus, that's all day Sunday, including Sunday night football. And get ready for some football and fun. You choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, Zach, you win. It's a night game this Sunday, so if anytime I'm going to want to grab food, not cook for myself, it's going to be Little Caesars. I'll have pizza by my side, hopefully watching the Broncos pick up another win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back into the conversation to see what's on y'all's mind. We got the swashbuckler himself, Gary Palmer. So good to see you tonight, big dog. The jersey is ordered. It's on the way, so let us know. Uh, Jersey one, anyway, uh, when you get it, my friend. And don't forget to send that that selfie in. He says, I'm wondering who's writing the script for this Broncos season. 
because it's a good one. Can't wait for the next episode. Go Broncos. Yeah, indeed. Um, you know, if it ends up Zach playing out in even a playoff berth, you know, wild card, if it ends up playing out that way, it will be very storybook, even if it's a one and done, but they make the playoffs, they snap the drought, all that because of how badly things started this season. Then you rebound and you the way you rebound is by a defense going from historically bad to suddenly amongst the NFL's most efficient. It would be a storybook kind of kind of script. And how about the turnaround for Russell Wilson? I, I know he's not throwing for many passing yards per game, but if you break down the major quarterback categories, he's top five, if not top three in a lot of those categories. I mean, tied for second in the NFL in touchdown passes, tied for the most fourth quarter comebacks. I mean, the data and the analytics are there to support Russ as at worst a top 12 quarterback. But, you know, Success is so subjective, Chad. I've been asked a lot, like, what would be the definition of, of a successful Broncos season? I think the argument here is nine and eight, but they miss the playoffs. Would you consider that a successful year? And I know it's not the Pat Bowlin standard, but how many times in recent years have we seen the Broncos beat Kansas City? I mean, we all know the answer to that. But then how many times after that have we seen them follow that with another resounding win against an elite opponent? So I think... It, it's tough, but nine and eight, they barely missed the playoffs after starting one and five would qualify as a success in year one, by the way, for Sean Payton. Exactly. If they make the playoffs, I don't care how it looks. Success. Baptized success. Like that's especially in the wake of the preceding seven years. And by the way, a little tiny bit of my heart kind of hurt for Kareem because he has been on the losing end of some really close games against the Kansas City Chiefs over the years, close but no cigar type stuff. And uh, to not be available because of your own kind of recklessness for the one win, you finally snap the streak, you're not on the field. Uh, my, my, uh, my heart went out to him just a little bit in that sense. But um, anyway, jumping back into the chat here, uh, we've got uh, Doug uh, Raquel jumping in. Good to see you, Doug. He says, I want to say as we approach this season to give thanks we, your listeners, thank you for going through this journey as fans together. Thank you both. Doug, appreciate the support, first of all, on Facebook. Second of all, very, very kind, man. Thank you for being here with us. As long as y'all keep showing up, we will too. I don't want to take it too off topic. I know you're a big Sopranos fan, Chad. I know we have some Sopranos fans in our, our, our listenership, but I was watching a pod with AJ recently from the Sopranos, and he was asked when he's recognized on the street and someone says, hey, yo, AJ, what's up? Does it ever get annoying? Does it does he ever bother him? And he goes, you guys are the reason why you know I have a house. You guys are the reason why I have all this. So that when he said that it resonated with me because that's how I feel about you guys. We should be thanking you and we try to show our thanks and give back as much as we can with uh, giveaways and raffles and meet and greets. It's the least we can do, Doug. So we appreciate you as much or more than you appreciate us. Christopher. I love Sopranos, man. I, I probably binge. Nope. I, I probably binge it. Um, I don't know. Once a year, maybe, it, maybe a little beyond that, like once every year and a half, something like that. It's a regular part of, I just love it so much. Some of the best writing and RIP James Gandolfini. Yeah. Miguel, what's going on, brother? Thank you for the support on Facebook, my dog. He says, what's up, fellas? I think the offense will start rolling after the Browns game. I'm still weary on this win streak. Uh, win streak. Weary meaning like you're still not sure if it's for real, like what it means. Um, or he's tired tired of just these tight games and i mean the chiefs one was hard fought the final score honestly this isn't to take away from how well the broncos played in that front to back but the final score did make that in my opinion seem a much more uh decided game than it was i mean it did really turn uh decidedly for the broncos about halfway through the fourth quarter but the chiefs fought hard uh on both sides of the ball and uh so it wears on you. Then you have the heart attack game against the Bills, like down the wire. Tebow, 2011 season type antics, uh, as you mentioned on Monday night, Zach. But yeah, I'm just I'm just here for seeing this new and improved intensity and belief and confidence they're playing with. It's great to see. 
I think that comment kind of summarized how I felt. You know, I'm not fully ready. I've been burned so many times. It's it's hard to open up to the Broncos again, like in a toxic relationship. But I think they've proven them proven themselves to a point. It's one thing to beat the Packers. Okay, that was one. But then you went out, or they went out, and they dominated with a capital D the Kansas City Chiefs. That wasn't even close. Then you follow that up after a bye week. Monday night football at Buffalo against a very desperate and clawing team in the bills. And you know what? You held your own very well on the national stage. So I'm way more of a believer now, but I do understand the skeptics out there who are waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're waiting for the Broncos defense to revert back to week three. They're waiting for Russell Wilson to revert back to 2022 Russ I don't think it's going to happen, though. I do think the Broncos turned a corner. They're finding themselves. They found their identity. And most importantly, they've learned how to win. Well, and I, uh, I'm i old enough to remember um, the 2018 season, Zach, where things didn't got, get started on the greatest foot. Um, but then all of a sudden they go on a little bit of a run with, of course, you know, this is the Case Keenum season. But when Philip Lindsay really becomes the starter and the guy and they kind of battle back into it and then completely just give up the ghost and the rest was history. I've seen that before. The reason I'm not worried that it's going to happen like that this year, Broncos might not make the playoffs this year because of the hole they dug. But the reason I'm not worried that they're going to totally just fall off, like the first loss they have from here on out, then they just fall off is because of the leadership now. Um, and the savvy and just that that metal two T's there that Sean Payton brings to the table. KB, what's up, bro? Appreciate you as always. An MHH longtime super chat superstar and writing emeritus. Good to see you. He says checked it checked, and we only have one running back rushing touchdown. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, says Korea. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the. Thanks for the coffee mug you sent. Well, possibly I'm a Korean Broncos fan now. Yeah, I wonder whatever happened to that that gum thing. You know, the the mysterious mug that got sent into the ether and somewhere in Kim Jong Un's residence now, Chad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a special. It's a special. We're like the the inverted alternate reality version of the interview. Have you seen that before? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Instead of him being a huge fan of. David, whatever his name is, the talk show. He's a huge fan of the Mile High Huddle podcast now because he got this random mug uh, shipped to him in the mail. Uh, but KB, it is an interesting distinction that the Broncos, Zach, have only one running back touchdown. I have no reason to doubt KB on this, uh, so I'm not even going to look it up. But I wasn't aware of that specifically before his his chat. Well, let me tell you why I'm not worried about that is because if you break down the numbers, like I mentioned earlier, KB, Russell Wilson is hyper efficient in the red zone. They've been really good under center at quarterback when they've gotten to the end and the money zone specifically inside the five. They've been really good converting there. Look at the uh, the game winning touchdown in effect to Javante Williams, a little flip pass in the corner wide open. The way that Sean Payton is scheming this offense, I don't really care how they get in the end zone, whether it's on the ground or through the air. But if you look at the numbers, Russell Wilson is doing really well in that department. Yeah, the irony here is that uh, just for craps and gigs, I lo- I'm looking this up. It's, of course, Jalil McLaughlin that owns the only running back rushing score. On the receiving side of things, Javante has scored twice this year. Jalil has scored twice. Uh, and there you have it as far as the running back. Samaje, not quite, not enough touches yet, really, to uh, to find the end zone. But, um, all right, guys, a couple more things that we have to get to. Uh, but first, we got to remind you with Thanksgiving coming down the pike, we're heading het. Uh, head first into the massive mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce. So we got to talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season, and that is the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. Time to go cold turkey on your razor and take care of yourself below the belt with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com. Use our code HUDDLE for 20% off and free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style, gang. With the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, gobble, gobble, Zach. 
I know it's technically no shave November, Chad, but I, I can't help it when I have a product like Manscaped. I'm not just saying that. I'm being completely genuine. There's no cuts, no friction, no stubble, nothing irritating. It's a clean shave below the belt, above the belt, on your face, your chest, your arms, your shoulders, your back. Wherever hair presents itself, you can abolish it with Manscaped. I thought you were going to say no butts, no no coconuts, whatever that. No no butts, no cut, no cuts, no butts, no no coconuts. But I digress here. I was thinking of Wreck-It Ralph. Get twenty percent off, gang, and free shipping with the code Huddle at Manscaped.com. That is twenty percent off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com when you use our code Huddle. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your boys downstairs will thank you. All right, back to the chat. We have a top rope wow. uh, and then some. We have like a skyscraper from the top rope, skyscraper, top rope, whatever I'm rambling here. Super from the Duchess, Michaela Parker. Thank you, Michaela. She is many times uh, an, uh, a member of the 200 Club, and you blow us away every time, Michaela. We are so grateful. It goes a long, long way. Believe that. It helps us in so many ways. You know, you hear us say things like, oh, help us keep the lights on. But it does do that. Absolutely. But it goes a long way for us. So thank you so much, my friend. She says, I don't think they will make the playoffs this year. Too many teams are over 500. On another note, who kidnapped Vance Joseph and replaced him for his doppelganger? Uh, what do you think, Zach? Two interesting points to spend some time on here. Well, let me serve it back to you, first of all. Response to Michaela. I think Joseph Vance is doing a great job as the Broncos DC replacing Vance Joseph to Michaela's point. But um, I just think without giving too much credit, because I still have that pit in my feeling stomach, like the other shoe was going to drop with, with that unit. They just started to buy in. They all got on the same page. They got a lot of injured players back. I think the absence of Simmons in that secondary, the glue of that defense was a killer for them. So once they all bought in and VJ simplified the playbook, kind of like what Sean Payton did on offense with Russell Wilson, you just are firing on all cylinders now. And Michaela, this is also the point that we made going into the year. Traditionally, Sean Payton's teams going back to New Orleans always started slow and they started to accumulate momentum and find themselves and build as the year went on. I know it was a rough stretch in September into October, but we have to hope that the new iteration of what we've seen is here to stay. And I'm confident it is. Thank you again for your generosity. Love you. Love you. But it is true, man. Like you said, I mean, they started off in a really deep hole. I remember, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly now that I bring this up. If it was the Owen three start, I think it was the Owen three start. You know, we were talking about, all right, since the Super Bowl era, Owen one teams have the odds of making this the, the playoffs X. 0-2, crap. 0-2 teams have this odds in the Super Bowl era. And I want to say, Zach, it was when you get to 0-3. It's like 11%, something like it that. It was none had made the, the playoffs um, in the Super Bowl era. It's either that or 1-5, but I'm pretty sure it was the 0-3 start. Either way, when you dig a hole that deep to open things up, you know, you it really does take like a Tebow-esque run, like 2011, which what's crazy about the Broncos winning the division that year and making the playoffs is that they go on that run and then they lose the final three games and back into the playoffs. It was bizarre because the AFC West was so bad, but they need a run like that, Zach, or even better, a, a run that's much more closely resembling of Peyton Manning's year one after that victory in San Diego on Monday night, the big comeback. They did not lose again until the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round. So you need to conjure that level of mile-high magic in order to really overcome the, the hole that they dug. And also, don't forget the, the comparison that Sean Payton drew for the Broncos a few weeks ago. In fact, the Lions, who started off very poorly and then went on, I think it was last year, to finish 9-8 and eight and, and really have momentum to build upon uh, in the future. I think Sean Payton is playing the long game. You know, there was a ton uh, of new moving parts this year, a lot to learn, a lot of different circumstances and hurdles to clear, and they did screw themselves over by losing those first two games. We talked about that Washington and the Raiders games being pretty much must-wins if they want to go on for the playoffs. But he knows, Sean Payton, he's here to stay for the long haul, and his culture and his system and his values as a coach are here to stay. So if they do finish 9-8 and eight this year, no playoffs, I think he's banking on a better record next year and a playoff berth for sure at the minimum.
While we have Michaela here with us, it's a good time to do an update on where things stand this month on Super Chat because we are 16 days into the month of November. Uh, again, I mean, Thanksgiving is next week, literally. So here it is. As you know, we take the top 10 finishers in uh, on Super Chat in a given month. Their names go in a hat. We randomly select a winner. The winner gets a Denver Broncos jersey uh, of their choice. So it's a way that we've come up with to give back to our great community and all the support that we receive from you guys. So here's where things stand. Obviously, this doesn't count tonight, but here's where things stand. Number one in November, it's Ethan, a.k.a. the DWI guys, followed by the Duchess, who's only going to either bolster her position or maybe even rise after tonight. F.A. at number two. Naj at number three. Zeus at four. This feels like 2019 right now. Zach, I mean, Zeus, Michaela, Naj, this is so awesome. Uh, Troy, awesome to see as well at five. And then GLP, Gary at six, Sam Bam at seven, Mike Edel at eight, really cool to see. David McElrath, the Papa Bear uh, at 10. So that that covers it, right? Yeah, there's there's your top 10. And then just a couple of the names outside, Coach Chris, Rip Dye, Brian Dunn, the Lady D. So there's your update on Super Chat halfway through. Uh, the month of November. All right. Um, Scott Busby, brother, appreciate you, big dog. He says, hey, guys, this is a test. You guys are awesome. What is going on right now? What is going on right now? Zeus McPeak, we're going to grab you right now. But Scott, love you, dude. Thank you. This is going to be a test. And we're going to break down and, in fact, illustrate the test here very, very shortly. He says, here from Queen Creek, Arizona, Facebook was broke. Shocker. Love you guys. Dang it, Zuckerberg needs to get his you-know-what together. Glad you found a way. Stoked to have you tonight, Scott. Yeah, too busy failing with threads to worry about actual Facebook uh, working, but appreciate you, Scott. Taylor Christensen, brother, good to see you. Says, hey, guys, what do you think of the sheriff's reaction to the fumble? Our ball, our ball. He'll always be a Bronco. Faux life. Zach, never thought I'd see the day that you're praising VJ. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of endearing, Zach, to, for that little clip of, uh, you know, the Eli Payton call of, of the Monday Night Football where I, I don't recall exactly which fumble. The first fumble. It was the first fumble, if I'm not mistaken, the first turnover. And Payton's like, our ball, our ball. And Eli's like, dude, it's been eight years. Give it up. You know, it's, it's not ours anymore. But it was really cool. I'll tell you what was more satisfying. And Taylor, I'm praising VJ to an extent. I think he deserves credit for the turnaround. Um, and I'm willing to be fair about that, but he's not a hundred percent exonerated in my book yet. But the more rewarding part about watching that Manning cast is who they had on in the final seconds. And that was Kyle Brandt, notorious Broncos hater, notorious Russell Wilson hater, all because Russell Wilson didn't say hi to him backstage at an event a few years ago or something like that. And I'm pretty sure he's a bills fan as well. So if you watch his face, when the field goal goes in the one that counted, the, the the broken anguish that he had was his his tears were delicious, Chad. So I do like the Manning cast. I appreciate Peyton is uh, always a Bronco bleeding orange and blue, but just there's something satisfying about seeing Kyle Brandt so miserable that makes me happy. Amen to that. <clears throat> we have another wow. very very generous top rope Zeus, super Zeus. chat. Thank you, you guys. Uh, many of you are new. I mean, when when we first started doing these live streams. Uh, doing our podcast at the time we were doing two pods a week we would do an upload of us talking about whatever the last game was and then we would do another one later in the week previewing the upcoming game and then after a while we're like let's also do one like where we have a mailbag segment in our pre-recorded episodes so we would take questions on twitter and our facebook comments blah 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 and then one day zach i think it was you might have been me i don't remember one of us had the idea hey we should do our mailbag segment live on our YouTube and Facebook channels. And at the time, our Facebook, our YouTube channel had just crossed 2,000 subscribers, which meant that we were uh, able to um, apply for the partner program so that you can accept Super Chats and stuff. But we didn't even know what a Super Chat was. So we're, we're, we decided to do it. We do a, a mailbag episode one week, and uh, there's this guy in the chat named Stu McPeak, and uh, he sends in a comment while we're live, and it's a it's colored, like, you know, has a color. It's, and a dollar figure attached to it and us being naive. We're like, Oh, cool. Thank you. 
for the questions to later we find out oh that's a super chat he actually just donated to your show to your channel we're like wow and so we're like well we'll do it again next week this was going great that was fun and it just kind of grew and Stu was a big big reason for us the light bulb of us going we should really keep doing this and then i want to say zach it was like we started doing that at the beginning of september by october every single show was live we were doing everything live because i i don't know about you dude but uh yes greg Stu is the man but it's so much more fun doing this live like i could still turn on a microphone with you and we could talk about the issues together recording it and then upload it and have a blast but it's nowhere near as fun uh, as it is with you doing it live. And then the community and just that engagement and the back and forth and the amazing generosity you show us great superstars like Stu. So Zeus, love you, dude. Thank you so much. It was so great to finally meet you in person too. this last meet and greet. Um, So thank you. He says, thanks guys for all your team does for us. Thank you, buddy. That's perfect way to lay out the history there. I, I just know that Stu is the spark that started the wildfire that is this MHH podcast. And uh, that's why we have such reverence for you, Stu. We're so appreciative of all you do, even just a simple comment. And uh, I made sure to tell you to your face at the meet and greet how awesome you are, how appreciative I am. But I'll tell you once more. Thank you, bro. By the way, I still have my airplane model and all the all the airline swag that you sent. I told them that. It's in a special sector in my office. Um, when we decided to do the green screen thing, Zach and I, for uniformity, um, I ended up moving a lot of the stuff I was holding on to that fans had sent that if it wasn't, if I couldn't fit it right here at the edge of my desk, the way my office is laid out, I put it in a different sector in my, in my office, but I look at it every day and I think, man, I'm so, so lucky. So grateful. Uh, Pearl says, love it. Your shows are addictive. Hope that's in a good way. I hope it's in a good way, Mike. And thank you, Pearl. Mike. So generous, big dog. Up there on the top 10 this month, stoked for you. He says, good evening, gentlemen. Great show, like always. I'm in Minnesota. I had to shut the radio off earlier. Could not take the Viking trash talk. According to KFAM, the Broncos are just a stepping stone to Monday night football. That's good news. You know, if that's how they're feeling about the Broncos, let them sleep. Let them sleep because, you know, there's there's no alarm clock or alarm bell, Zach, like getting clocked straight in the nose to – what? Where am I? I think it's time for a new t-shirt, Chad. Forget let them hate. It's let them sleep now. And I, that's the exact point I was going to make. I hope the players in Minnesota and the coaching staff adopts this mentality of overlooking the Broncos and thinking they're this easy uh, win because they're not going to be. If they have that mindset going in, they're going to get curb stomped and empower field. Indeed. But yeah, let them sleep. Let them sleep. That actually plays right into the Broncos' hands because I think the, the Bills slept on them a little. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs, mm-hmm. you know, they slept on them a little, and that's advantageous for where this team is at right now. So Phil in Tucson proving Broncos country, uh, very much like Mike Edel as well in Minnesota, is not a geographical occasion. It is, in fact, a state of being. It's wherever you is, and Phil's in Tucson. Says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. I've got faith again. Hope it's not a mirage. LOL. Go Broncos. MHH for life. Indeed. I just think we have to keep realistic expectations amid the optimism. You you know that our general kind of outlook and disposition here on this show anyway is one of optimism. So I'm not trying to detract from that at all, but it's not exactly realistic to expect this team starting week seven when we were there for the MHH meet and greet to go on a undefeated run uh, all the way to the, to the end of the season, like Peyton Manning did year one as a Bronco. I mean, he was a hall of famer. He had already built a hall of fame career. If he never came to Denver, he was still going to the hall of fame. Uh, Maybe Russell Wilson follows a similar tact. I don't know, but it's going to be bumpy. What I'm getting at here. There's, there's going to be some bumps in the road between now and when this season ends. Zach, my question for you is relative to a playoff spot. Right, the Broncos sit here now four and five on the season. How much wiggle room is there relative to losses? Like, how can you afford to lose one and still have a decent shot? Two, can you afford to even lose three and still have a decent shot? What What's your take? I think three would eliminate them. Two is the most they could allow, and they have a quite the daunting schedule ahead: the Chargers, the Lions, the Texans. You have the Vikings this Sunday. You can pretty much only lose two more games. Ten and seven is what it would take, I feel, to get into the postseason. So it's not impossible, but it's not probable 
either. Though I will say, they beat Minnesota Sunday. I said this last week, but it's even more appropriate this week. They go to five and five. You win four games in a row, taking down the hottest or best teams in the NFL along the way. We have to, at that point, start entertaining the possibility that the Broncos will push for a wild card spot in the uh, the back half of the season. Conversely, if they lose this game, you go to four and six, your margin for error becomes that much smaller, and it would be pretty tough, I think, to make the tournament after that. I'll take. I'll, I'll go through this a- AFC playoff picture, but first, the Duchess with another very, very Thank generous you. super. Thank you so much, Michaela, just for showing respect for Stu. I wouldn't be part of this family if it wasn't for his guidance. He shows us. It's true. I'm telling you. When we say he's the first face etched on the MHH superstar Mount Rushmore, we say that for a reason. And uh, Michaela is the very next face etched right there. Two pillars, pillars of our community and really like um, compasses, guiding lights that really kind of helped us find our way as we were getting this thing going. She is definitely the first lady of the MHH podcast network. So, Michaela, the Duchess, first lady, whatever you want to be called, just know that we appreciate you to death. Thank you. Alexander, brother, says the three keys of the game last week were time of possession, turnovers, and penalties, mainly because of Josh Allen. What are the three keys this week? Good question, my friend. Thank you for the super chat. Um, Well, I mean, I think with the Vikings – it's a little bit of a uh, – we'll go through the head-to-head here very, very shortly, but uh, if you look at what they do well defensively, um, they're a top-10 rushing defense, so um, not so good against the pass, but not terrible either. I mean, they're 16th. It's a pretty good defense overall. So I think you got to remain committed, Zach, to this uh, this this rushing attack but you really have to not only uh, do a better job of picking the timing to, to take shots downfield, but like you have to prioritize that and you've got to connect because the Vikings will make you make you battle every square inch, you know, to, to move the ball down the field. But I think it's no turnovers first and foremost, like you have to not only turn it over, but win the, the turnover margin, the turnover differential. And other than that, Put some pressure on on Joshua Dobbs, and the things great things start happening, and no more special teams snafus. That that would be my three keys. Yeah, I mean, again, I followed Minnesota pretty pretty well this season so far. They don't have much of a running game to speak of, even if Madison does play. If he doesn't, they have uh, Ty Chandler and Miles Gaskin. I'm pretty sure in their backfield, so I'm not worried about that aspect. I'm worried about the Vikings passing attack. Josh Dobbs is very slippery. He makes plays. He just gets it done. They have weapons. Even if JJ doesn't play, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, especially Hawkinson, we all know how the Broncos fare against tight ends. So that would be on offense. On defense, to combat that very blitz-heavy Vikings unit, a lot of short dump-offs, running right at the blitz. This is where the Broncos' ground attack, getting all three running backs involved, uh, would behoove them. And also, you touched on it, Chad, taking shots down the field. It's, it's You can only play in a phone booth for so long. You can only play east and west horizontal football for so long before teams start really challenging you at the line of scrimmage. What the Broncos can do to back that defense off is throw down the field. How about getting Marvin Mims involved? Even as a decoy, even the threat of a downfield game would make the box lighter for Javante Williams, Pirine, and McLaughlin. So yeah, they have to be a little more aggressive, open up the offense, but be smart about it and time it to uh, negate that relentless Vikings blitz attack. Well said, Gary, again, very generous, brother. Thank you. Thank you. He says, Stu is the best, and I think he is the secret sauce for MHH. MHH for life. Yes, he is, man. He We have uh, nothing but love and respect and appreciation for one Stu McPeak. Scott, again, jumping in saying, now that it's fixed, I do believe we continue to get better and we are on the verge of making the playoffs. Well, that's as good a segue as I'll ever get to go back to this. Just for, you know, for the sake of our conversation, here's why we talk about realistic expectations after the Broncos started one and five. So here's right now if the playoffs started uh, ne- this week, for example, Chiefs one, Ravens two. Uh, Chiefs are seven and two, Ravens seven and three for those listening after the fact. 
uh, Jaguars third, uh, third seed with a six and three record. And then the Dolphins six and three with the four seed. Then you get into the three wildcard teams, which currently would be the Steelers at five with a six and three record. The Browns at six with a six and three record. The Broncos do play this team. The Browns of, of everyone we've mentioned so far, only the Browns uh, up to this point are on the remaining schedule. They're six seed. Then the Texans, who the Broncos also play. So this is an opportunity right here to kind of flip the script. Those two games are tremendously important to the Broncos playoff outlook. Then you get the guys on the bubble, and that starts with the Bengals at five and four. They are technically the eight seed. The Colts are the nine seed. I think I'll be surprised if they manage to even hover around 500 uh, as the season, as you get deeper and deeper into the season. But hey, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew magic. You never know, I guess. The Bills at 10, Zach, with a five and five record. The Raiders at 11 with a five and five record. The Chargers, 12, four and five. Jets, 13. Four and five record. Then you get to the Broncos, 14. So they're literally, as it stands, with still, what is it, uh, eight games left to go. They are seven seeds away from being in the playoffs. Uh, so you got to keep that pedal to the metal. But look, I mean, if you just keep a, an eye here, Zach, and then I'm going to serve this over on the teams currently qualified for the wild card and just a few uh, on the bubble, six and three with, you know, eight games to go. Uh, six and three, eight games to go, five and four. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be really, really tough. But if the Broncos take care of these two games, Browns and Texans, you never know. And, and they can afford, it wouldn't be ideal, but again, they have a, a, a two-loss margin for error. So if they don't beat one of those teams, if they beat the other, uh, that would benefit them. The problem is they don't have the tiebreaker against certain teams like the Jets or like the Raiders, but they do have that over Buffalo, for example. And that's why the Broncos have to win as much as they can with these AFC opponents going forward. Fortunately, the Bengals are losing tonight. They're playing the Ravens. They're down 7-3. So I think Broncos country should be rooting for a Cincinnati loss tonight. Definitely. And it's really refreshing to have the Broncos in a position halfway through the season where you can actually have a rooting interest in some of these other games as they're unfolding. It's been a while since we've even been in that position, uh, eight, nine, 10, 11 weeks into the season. So George brother, appreciate you. He says, guys, Broncos country. We all thank you for making it a place to vent both when we win or lose Denver Broncos for life, MHH for life. Very sweet of you, my friend. I love this handle right here from your next Minnesota at number 10 or pardon me at number 10 with a $10 super chat. Thank you. Thank you. And a Goldberg. We got Goldberg in the profile pick here, Zach saying, if I remember correctly, there's only one division that has every team at 500 or above 500. So the Broncos still have a shot at making the playoffs. Yeah, but I'm not sure what that has to do. I mean, with, with the Broncos, because the way the new uh, the new pl uh, playoff formula works, like Steelers, Browns, Ravens, right now in the AFC North, three teams would make the playoffs, Zach, if it started this week. But fortunately, Broncos get to play two of those teams. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a situation where let's get to 500 first, and then we'll seriously start talking playoff picture and exploring the Broncos' chances. But at this point, all they can do is control what they can control, is beat the teams in front of them, and uh, the things will take care of, of itself with their uh, competition. Mike, again, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Two, two times tonight. Love it, dude. He says, did Dobbs play against us in the preseason for the Cardinals? Love being part of this community. Go MHH. Go Broncos. Mike, bro. You have really come on strong of late, and we appreciate you. As a token of our appreciation, send us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, and send us your uh, T-shirt size and your shipping address, and we'll send you a little thank you, a little surprise thank you for how great you have been. Um, but what do you remember about Dobbs and the cards in the preseason, Zach? I don't remember at what point he was traded to Arizona from Cleveland. It could have been for that game, though I remember it being a lot closer to the regular season. So that was March 23rd. Uh, so he signed with the Browns. I'm on his wiki now. 23rd of March. Uh, and then he was traded August 24th to the Cardinals, for what it's worth. So I think that was after the Broncos, but I'll yeah, double check. A little closer to the season. 
but he's been playing really good ball though. I mean, I, I he's, he's an easy guy to root for. He just makes stuff happen. Not the most athletically gifted or physically gifted quarterback, but he just knows how to get it done. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, not this Sunday though. Yeah. Very interesting guy. Uh, his two starts. I mean, he started the whole season for the Cardinals basically because Kyler Murray opened on IR. So he's got a lot of live bullet reps this season in particular. I mean, before the 2023 campaign, Zach, he had a grand total. This is his fourth year. He had a grand total of two starts uh, before this season. And he has this this year now uh, 11, hold on, nine starts, pardon me, nine starts. The last two games, which are the two games he's been a Viking, He's passed for the first game. He passed for 158 yards and two touchdowns to zero picks. An efficient day, 66% completion. Similar completion percentage in his second game with one touchdown and 268 passing yards. He's yet to be picked off, Zach, as a Viking. And in fact, this season, he's thrown five picks. So he's been pretty stingy with the ball. I mean, when he came into Minnesota, not even knowing his teammates' names or the playbook and won that game against the Falcons, I don't know. Scott would know. It was against the Falcons. I, I was very impressed by his just that it factor that Dobbs has. Again, he's a good guy off the field. He's a fun player to watch on the field, and he's slippery as a runner as well. He just knows where to go, kind of like Mahomes. He's not the fastest guy, but he knows where the sticks are, where are the edges, and how to get the yards he needs to get. So the Broncos have to account for him absolutely. He was originally a Pittsburgh Steelers fourth-round pick. Uh, so there you have it on Dobbs. All right, guys, we're at 48 minutes. So we got, this is our only opportunity that remains to do the head to head and we don't want to disappoint, <clears throat> pardon me, disappoint y'all. So let's get to that real quick, Zach, before we sign off for this evening. Um, as you know, if you're with us live, green signifies a top 10 ranking. Red signifies bottom 10. And if it's black, it's somewhere in between. But for those listening on demand after the fact, don't worry. We'll spell this out for you. Uh, first things first, the Broncos are a plus three team in the turnover margin. That means they've taken it away three times more than they've given it away, which puts them in the top 10. They're ranked ninth, tied there. Whereas the Vikings, Zach, are minus three, which puts them at 19th, tied at 19th. Neither team has been great in time of possession. The Broncos ranked 23rd, Vikings 20th. And then we examine these two offenses. It's pretty ugly for the Broncos relative to the to the you know overall statistics and where they rank. The only green that you see is Russ only has thrown four interceptions, which is second fewest in the NFL. Meanwhile, you look at the Vikings, Zach, net yards per game, they're 10th. All right. So they're the they have a top 10 yardage offense in the face of all the, the obstacles they've had this year. That's impressive. Yards per play, they're ninth. Points per game, they're 12th, averaging 23.3. Rushing, not so good. They've failed to average 100 yards on the ground. They're 85.7 yards per game, ranks them 29th. What am I missing? No, no, I'm just shaking my head because I have the, the Vikings running back. So it, I, I feel that pain <laughs> seeing that 29th. But last thing, and I'll serve this back, passing their third. All right, so that's where they're kind of making up for things is their passing attack. They've only been picked off five times, zero Dobbs, by the way, remember. Uh, and then fumbles lost, they've lost 12, so they can be had for an opportunistic, Zach, defense like the Broncos, which we'll compare the defenses here in a minute. That's a really good sign and, and indicator. They are bottom 10, both in fumbles lost and total giveaways. They've given up 23 sacks, which ranks them 16th. And then last thing, third down percentage, the Vikings rank 11th. So they're just outside the top 10 and moving the chains. Red zone, though, 19th. They are converting, though, exactly half of their red zone trips into touchdowns, whereas the Broncos been sacked 30 times. That's amongst the worst in the NFL, tied for 25th. Third down percentage is 14th. All right, they're averaging 40.5% of their third downs are, are converted. And then red zone, Zach, Broncos are better than the Vikings. They're converting 54.8% of red zone tries into touchdowns, which is good for 13th. So your observations here head-to-head. You guys know how I feel about Denver. I want to give a little uh, attention to the Vikings and break down their opponent. It's actually impressive where the Vikings rank 
you know, respectively, considering they have no running game to speak of, Chad, and they've been without their best player, the NFL's best receiver for the last, I think, four weeks. So that's my first point. My second point is this is not Ken Dorsey, who the Broncos are facing or who VJ is going up against. Kevin O'Connell is one hell of a coach and one hell of a strategist and one hell of a play caller. So he's going to bring it and he's going to know how to exploit that Broncos defense. It might not seem impressive on paper, but that Dobbs offense has experienced little to no drop off from the Kirk Cousins offense. And that's a major, major credit to O'Connell and that coaching staff with Wade Phillips son, by the way, Wes Phillips as the OC there. I think the Josh Dobbs, you know, storybook so far, I think it begins to, to hit some road bumps this week. I think the Broncos defense is just rolling with insane levels of confidence and that predatory feel. I think it continues with the return of Kareem Jackson to kind of continue goosing the troops, so to speak. But here's the two defenses head to head. Remember the Broncos, these, these first five statistical areas are severely influenced still by that 70 burger and the, what was it, Zach, 700 something yards? 726, something like that. Ridiculous against the the Dolphins. That really tipped the scales. It's going to be hard to bounce back from that, even if you are Wade Phillips defense 2015, the whole rest of the season. But as it stands, the Broncos are ranked last in net yards per game. They're the last ranked yardage defense, uh, last in yards per play, last in points. They're relinquishing 27.6. Which, again, when you realize that 70 points given up in week three and then everything since then, this is quite, from a points average perspective, an improvement. They are chipping away at that. They are the worst-ranked rushing defense. And the 23rd, here's where it starts to improve, 23rd passing defense. Broncos ranked ninth in interceptions with nine, fifth in uh, fumble recoveries with seven. So as a takeaway defense, they are top 10. They are ranked six total. And then they have 17 sacks. This is an area that really needs to improve if they're going to have a puncher's chance down the stretch. There are only three teams worse than them at sacks so far uh, this season. And then on third down, they're 15th. Red zone, they're 15th. Meanwhile, the Vikings are the 13th best yardage defense. They're top 10 in yards per play, as you heard me mention earlier tonight. They are the 10th best rushing defense. And they're only giving up 20.9 points per game, which is good for 14th. Passing? 22.4 22.4 or 224.4, excuse me, which ranks them 16th interceptions. They have nine, just like the Broncos. So they have been opportunistic themselves in the passing game, five fumble recoveries. So their 14 total takeaways ranks them 14th. They have 10 more sacks than the Broncos, which ranks them 11th. But here's where it gets interesting, Zach. They suck at stopping people on third down, 43.6% uh, rate. That's 28th in the NFL and the red zone. Not so great either. They're allowing touchdowns, Zach, on six out of 10 red zone possessions by opponents. Well, for the Broncos, that green right there is the reason, the impetus behind that turnaround. And it's been also a a catalyst for the Broncos winning streak. You take the ball away like that, you stand an excellent chance of winning. Um, I'm looking at the Vikings defense as a whole from a a 10,000 foot view. They're going to be without. Jordan Hicks, by the way, that's the the captain of that defense in the middle. He's their inside linebacker. It's a big blow for them, but they do have Daniil Hunter, who we talked about as a possible target for the Broncos next year. He has 11 sacks. They only have 16 more sacks from players not named Daniil Hunter. And why are they so bad on third down? 43%. As I mentioned earlier, Brian Flores, their DC, is the most blitz-heavy DC in the NFL. And I would wager... A lot of those zero blitzes he likes to run occur on third down, which is where teams exploit them. So if they come at the Broncos like that, where they're rushing everyone, that's where you take a shot down the field. If only, like we saw on Monday, to draw a PI, as in the case of Jerry Judy. If and when those zero blitzes come, though, I mean, they the Broncos do have to do a better job of pre-snap protections. Like, yep. that was a joke at the end of the Bills yep. game. Like, come on, man. Uh, somebody know who you're supposed to block. All right, special teams. This is cool. Br- pretty much everything about the Vikings is middle of the pack. A couple of just outside the top 10 rankings, like as far as punting and, and net gross punting and net punting. But their field goal percentage is only 75%, which is 29th. Meanwhile, 
the Broncos have green rankings in four of these categories. Punt return average. Yeah, boy. Marvin Mims, 20.7 yards per return average ranks first. Um, is uh, the Broncos punt return average that they're allowing as a coverage unit ranks third kickoff return average. Your boy 33.6, which ranks first. I mean, that's the impact that he's made figure out how to make it also on offense and you will yeah. reap the rewards uh, kickoff return against this is the Westhoff and Kotwika impact Broncos rank third in the fewest yards allowed in kickoff returns. And then a couple of, uh, faux pas uh, in the field goal game this season has led to an 89.5% conversion rate, which ranks Zach 13th, tied for 13th in the NFL. And then last thing, penalties committed. The Broncos for a few weeks now have no longer been the worst team in the NFL, but they are still bottom 10. They're red ranking 24th right now with 64 penalties, but their opponents continue to make a lot of uh, penalties and lapses. They're 67 Opponent penalties ranks tied for third most. Meanwhile, the Vikings are a significantly disciplined team. They only have 48 penalties thus far, which ties them for fourth fewest in the NFL. And their opponents, they do a good job of of triggering them, so to speak. Uh, no team has, no team's opponents have more penalties than the Vikings thus far. Zach. And I think I read that Ron Torbert is the official for Sunday's game. So we're going to expect to see a lot more flags fly, but they have to, the Broncos have to clean that up, especially on offense with the pre-snap penalties. Nothing is more infuriating Um, about special teams. Marvin Mims might be the best special teams player in the NFL right now. He's been that good. Uh, The whole special teams has, you know, for the most part as well. And I gave, a shout out to Ben Kotwika, the coordinator on Twitter. And someone brought up, well, uh, the holding hasn't been good and the punting hasn't been good. I said, well, there's a common denominator between both of those issues. And that would be Riley Dixon. If they got a better punter, I guarantee you that would all be green. I am so impressed, Chad, with the turnaround, considering where they've been from Brock Olivo, you know, 22 Janos to Tom McMahon to whoever they tried. It just didn't work out. They finally have their guy in Kotwika. Indeed. So there's your head-to-head, gang. Mike, thank you so much, my brother. Really appreciate the ronk being with us night after night. We don't take you for granted, my friend. Hope you know that. We love and appreciate you. I think we're pretty well caught up on everything, right, Scott? So, Zach, any parting words for the community before we sign off here? No, just uh, don't go into the game expecting the Broncos to flounder and don't go into the game with too big of a head expecting the Broncos to win. It's going to be a close affair. The Vikings are a very disciplined, well-coached team. Josh Jobs is playing excellent football right now, and there are some players on both sides for the Vikings that will pose a problem for the Broncos, but they just take care of themselves and play their new found brand of football I think, Chad, they stand an excellent chance of going to five and five. And how incredible would that be? Indeed. I just want to read, and thank you, Pearl. I just want to read this from our friend Jeremy Sean. And then we're going to leave you with a few messages. Don't leave quite yet. Jeremy, good to see you tonight, brother. He says, Sean Payton got a lot of hate for being a little inaccessible and tough on the media, but he has fostered an environment that has translated into a tough and resilient football team. That's right. We're learning there is a reason and a rhyme for his approach to things and uh, love seeing it. Guys, we have a couple messages, though, and then we got to dip on out of here. That was another tremendous installment of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, please follow us on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen. Myself at Kelberman NFL and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like we're always rocking each and every podcast, check out MHHmerch.com and get you some. Also, if you haven't, please drop us a like at Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. You can also find us on Instagram at Mile underscore high underscore huddle. And make sure you're leaving your football pro football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if anything, guys and gals, please Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen to that. I'm just seeing here real quick, and then I'm going to say goodbye with some shout-outs. 
Uh, I'm just realizing that Dobbs has been sacked this season. Seven. Uh, uh, yeah. So for the for the. Hold on, I'm. I gotta make sure I'm getting this right. So this season, he's been sacked. This is between two teams, of course, Cardinals and Vikings, twenty-one times. All right, your boy Russ, who is basically the, the worst in the NFL at avoiding sacks, has thirty this season. So that's that portends, I think, well for the Broncos' defense to get back on the sack horse, so to speak, this week. Shout out to these great super chat superstars and supporters tonight on YouTube. We've got. Zeus McPeak, The Duchess, Michaela, Mike Edel, Troy, Plum Bob, KB82, Taylor, uh, Alexander Miles, Gary Palmer, You're Next, Minnesota. On Facebook, we got Doug, we got Miguel, Scott, Phil, George, and The Ronk. Much love and respect, guys. Zach and I are back Sunday for the gut reaction. It's going to be another late night. Tomorrow, don't forget, you got Legends of the Mile High on the bright with Thomas Hall followed by Dove Valley Deep Divers. And don't forget about the boys, the Orange and Blue View Saturday nights. Great show. Chemistry they're building. Really cool to see. And Zach and I can't wait to see you again Sunday night after the action. Now you mentioned the Josh Jobs being sacked and the Broncos finding their way this week, Chad. Well, guess who the Minnesota offensive line features? I'd be remiss not to mention everyone's famous, famous, favorite former Bronco and Brett Rippon's mortal enemy, Dalton Reisner, is now starting for the Vikings at guard. And we all know how exploitable he is in pass pro. So we'll see. Hopefully the Broncos uh, get after Dobbs regularly on Sunday. But have a great start to your weekend. We'll see you for the postgame show, the Gut Reaction Sunday. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.